a few weeks ago, I was asked to read a book on heaven, and I thought, well, you know, the Bible doesn't say much. And they said, well, read this anyway. And I read the book, and I learned a lot. And then there was a group of us guys that got together, uh, and we had a, a study on it. And I learned, and I found out that my view on heaven was a, a little on the weak side. But, you know, heaven has a lot of different connotations in our head. You know, you think about the song, heaven, I'm in heaven, and my heart beats so that I I can hardly speak, and then I seem to find the happiness I seek. I'm not sure all the notes on that. You know, Frank Sinatra sang that, and you know, we can we can take the concept of heaven and bring it down to earth. And I can say, yeah, you know, the first time I kissed Ladina, I felt like I was in heaven. <laughs> By the way, I wasn't, and that's what we're going to talk about today. Um, and then oh, Belinda Carlisle comes and says, ooh, baby, you know what that's worth? Oh, heaven is a place on earth. And I don't want to belittle the people for taking a, bib a biblical and heavenly concept and bringing it down. It's, yeah, it's, it's something that we experience this euphoria. We kind of equal it to it. But there's a lot more. There's a lot more to it. And uh, the world has a different view of heaven, and we want to make sure that we have the biblical view, and I had a limited view of what heaven was, and that's where I grew within that. Uh, in this book that we read, which I'll mention later on, um, he says, you know, in a lot of biblical studies, heaven is not even studied. And I went, hey, I'm kind of curious. And so years ago, the board went through a systematic theology book, which is supposed to cover all the various subjects. And I went back to see, what did it have to say on heaven? I didn't remember. You know what it had? nothing. And you know, when I went through all, I mean, I went through, you know, 10 Bible classes at Biola. I don't remember ever studying heaven. And so it's a good thing because, you know, we're spending this much time here and eternity there, we ought to learn something about it. And so that is where I have been going. Through. It's been a good thing for me. And so I get to share the next couple of weeks with you. So this is kind of an overview of what I'm going to be talking about for today and then also next week. First of all, it's just some things to consider about heaven. Heaven has a number of different meanings. Uh, first of all, we have to understand there's a current heaven, but then later on, we know we've heard the term, there's going to be a future heaven and a future, you know, a new heaven and a new earth. And we have to make sure that we differentiate between that. Also, as we as the term heaven is used, so as you think about the various times that heaven's used in the Bible, it's not always talking about the throne room of God, okay? Sometimes it's talking about the heavens being where the birds are flying. Other times it's the heavens where the planets are. Um, Paul at one point talks about uh, someone going to the third heaven, which we presume is the throne room of God. But understand it's not always the same. And when we look at it time-wise, we have to make sure we differentiate because it's going to be different, okay? He said he's going to make a new heaven and a new earth. So let's pay attention to what that's going to be. Next one is, is it our place to dwell or is it God's place or is it both, okay? Is heaven God's place? Do we belong there? Or does God have something else planned? And that's where I was going through a learning process on this. And it's, it's kind of both, but we'll get into that. We're not going to dwell on that completely today, but we will get into it. And the next thing is, what will we do when we get there? 
Years ago, I remember giving a message. We're talking decades ago, and I tried to describe heaven, and I did it this way. I said, you know, think of yourself, um, you know, Rebel of High School, you know, the football game, and think of the, the team, and they're on their way to, they're in the state final, which is a real great thing, because in my senior year, you know how many, team, how many games the varsities won? Okay, so the idea of them went going to the state finals, and imagine they're there, and the, the score is tied, or maybe they're even behind by five points, and they've got the ball at the 50-yard line, there's three seconds left, and the quarterback goes, and he throws that ball, and the end goes down, and he leaps up, and he grabs that ball, pulls it down to the end zone, touchdown, and you're going, yay, and I said, the euphoria, I said, that's what heaven's going to be like. And there's a truth to that because of the glory of God is so great, but there's more to it than that. And I had a very static view like, that's it. Well, what are we going to do with this eternal life? And there's more to it than just going, hooray, God is great. It's a good thing, and we're going to do that, but it's more to it. The world has this view of what heaven is. You know, almost any time you see cartoons, whatever, they're always on clouds. You know, they're always walking around on clouds. You see, ways back I saw Popeye, and he, he and Brutus both died, and they were fighting up on the clouds. Anyway, there's always clouds involved. And um, what are we going to do? Uh, hopefully, we need more than just a magazine, okay? And that's what we'll be discussing. Probably more next week than this week, but that's the idea. Next question, is it spiritual or physical? God made us physical bodies. When we die, our spirit's going to be separated, but then there's going to be a resurrection, which means our, spirit, our bodies and our spirit's going to be rejoined. So it's more than just a spiritual place. It's also physical. Who will be there? Well, we understand it's a pretty basic thing, is that those who put their faith in Jesus Christ are the ones who are going to be in heaven. There's also some discussion, and I'll get in later on with another book. What kind of are there different roles in heaven? We're going to discuss that a little bit. Is there a connection between heaven and earth for us? Now, when there's a new heaven and a new earth, I'm going to say absolutely yes. And we'll discuss a little bit because right now, you know, there's the in Hebrews 11 they talk about the, the great chorus who's kind of looking down on earth. Later on in Revelation. Um, they were talking about these people who had been killed uh, during this tribulation, and they're going, oh, Lord, hey, we can, they knew what was going on on earth. Are you going to go back? So there's this connection that they have. They had a realization of what was going on on earth. And probably one of the most important questions to me is, how do we live on earth in light of going to heaven? D does it change what we do here? Now, in this study, I'm not here to sell books, but I just want to mention two that were influential to me. And one is uh, Heaven by Randy Alcorn, probably the, the bulk of what uh, I was studying is that. And uh, if you happen to get interested, Chuck said today he has a book or two left over if some, someone's interested. The other one is called The Reign of the Servant Kings uh, by Joseph Dillo. The thrust of this book is not so much about heaven, it's about eternal security, but the things overlap. And one of his interesting concepts is that um, those people who have put their faith in the Lord then not been faithful are not condemned to hell, but they don't have the same role 
as those who remain faithful. So those, and you have to read the whole book. It's a theological treatise. It's not an easy read, but uh, those are two books that were of influence to me. First, I'd like to start off, get a historical perspective. Let's look at the Garden of Eden. It says, uh, Genesis 1, Then God said, Let's make man in our image after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens. There's that heavens used in a different way. And over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And it was very good. By the way, out of all the different times that the various days that God had his creation, he called them good. And this one, he says, hey, this one's very good. He made man. But one of the notice, things we notice here, man was not sit here just to sit there. He was given a job. He was given purpose. He had a role to fulfill. And in this case, to take dominion over the earth, to rule over this planet and this place. He was made in the likeness of God. So he had this image. Now, there's a lot of different theologians that will talk about, well, what does the likeness of God mean? And also I heard a variety of different concepts. We're not going to dive into that now. But nevertheless, whatever it means, we were made in the likeness of God. And that's a very important thing for us to understand. And the Lord planted a garden in Eden in the east, and there he put the man whom he had formed. And out of the ground the Lord God made, it, made to spring up every tree that is pleasant to sight and good for food. The tree of life was in the midst of the garden, and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And they heard the sound of the Lord walking in the cool of the day, in, in the garden in the cool of the day. First of all, it's interesting, um, we hear about the Garden of Eden. Eden was evidently a larger area than just the garden. This says it was the garden in Eden. I'm not sure the significance, but that was an idea to me that came up. Now, I was raised on two acres of land here in Red Bluff. My dad had a big family garden. I'm thinking, how big was it? It's probably twice the size of this area. We had a very large family garden. And so when I think of a garden, what do I think of? I think of a garden that's about twice the size of this room. That's what's in my mind. And that's how I used to think of the Garden of Eden. And then one year, my parents went to Butcher Gardens up in... Oregon, Washington, anyway, up north. And they saw British Columbia. Okay, so I was off. And they talked about this beautiful garden, and they started talking about it, and I went, huh, that's a garden. So this garden, I don't know how big it was, but I'm going to guess that it was big, that it was bigger than two rooms here that my mind was thinking. So what I'm trying to say Sometimes when we look at things in Scripture, we put it in the context that we're, that we're in, and we limit it. So let's open it up. This garden was probably large. I don't know how large. It was large enough for them to rule, and it was also a place for them to live. As you go through, just as a side note, if you go through Genesis, the first few chapters of Genesis, there's a tremendous amount of richness about who God is, who man is, and what happened. Because, you know, we live in a fouled-up world, and this is where it started. 
learn the first few chapters of Genesis. There's huge amounts of richness within it. It says here that the Lord God, and they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. The idea is that God came down to visit them. So did God live in the Garden of Eden? No, he did not. But he came to visit. The discussion here is the concept was that Jesus coming down, good probability, he doesn't actually say that, good probability that it was Jesus coming down while God the Father stayed in heaven. Do a little contrast now. Heaven. It's a place where God dwells. Revelations 4 1 says, And after this I looked, remember this is uh, John, and he's just gone through and had the re revelation about the various churches and the discussion there, and he goes, after this I looked, and behold, the door stood open in heaven, and the first voice which I heard speaking to me like a trumpet said, Come up here, and I will show you what must take place after this. At once I was in the Spirit, and behold, a throne stood in heaven, and one seated on the throne. And he who sat there had the appearance of Jasper and Carnelian. Glenn, what's Carnelian? Where are you? Not a clue. Not a clue. Thank you very much. <laughs> An orange stone. Okay. Um, and around the throne was a rainbow that had the appearance of an emerald. You knew more than Glenn on that. That's impressive. So there we go. <laughs> around the throne, there were 24 thrones, and seated on the thrones were 24 elders, clothed in white garments and golden crowns on their head. From the throne came flashes of lightning, rumblings of peals of thunder. This is a different picture than Eden. This is where God lives. Okay whole different concept. One is they said he was in the spirit. Different concept. He wasn't there. It wasn't this bodily thing that we were made to have. If you go back to now we're talking about, in the, and I'm assuming that you're familiar with the fact that in the Bible it says we're going to have a new heavens and a new earth. Well, back in Isaiah, it says, for unto us a child is born. We know who that's talking about. That's talking about Jesus. And the increase of his government and of peace there will be no end on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and uphold it. Jesus is going to be involved in government. We generally don't like government. I think he's going to do a good job, all right? And here's the time where there's going to be an increase of government. We, we normally think, oh, let's decrease it. He's going to increase it, but it's going to be done well. And of peace there will be no end. And on the throne of David, which is a physical concept, Jesus is going to be there and he's going to establish it and uphold it. Revelation 21, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. So what we're on right now is going to be gone. Got that? So don't get too attached to this. It passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, a new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man, and he will dwell with them, and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death will be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain. Any more of the former things have passed away. The dwelling place of God is now God is now coming in to be with man. This is the, a new concept. We haven't had that, okay? But this new heaven and new earth is going to involve God dwelling with us. 
One of the interesting things I see here, too, is it says, so this is going to wipe away the tears, but it says no more crying. I think, based on the look at the chronology here, we're going to go up there and we're going to remember there's some areas of pain. We have pain now. We're going to know about it, and he's going to wipe away the tears. He's going to wipe away that pain. Later on, there's going to be no reason for that pain. But he's going to wipe away. God brings about resolution. That's what he does. He's going to bring about that resolution when we're there in heaven with this new heaven and the new earth. Later on, he goes, and the one who spoke to me, this is John, had someone speaking with him. He goes, had a measuring rod of gold to measure the city and its gates and walls. The city lies four square, its length the same as its width, and he measured the city with a rod, 12,000 stadia, the length of its width and height, they're equal. Now, 12,000 stadia equals 1,400 miles. That's a big town, city. Give you an idea? Now, understand this picture here assumes that earth is going to be the same size as it is now, Okay. And we don't know that. The other thing, you know what's wrong with this picture? Anybody have an idea? What's that? It's in America. Yeah, it should be around, around the other side where Jerusalem is. So I went, nice idea. And I appreciate that they made this picture for graphic. But it gives an idea of this is not a small place. And now I've, I've forgotten the numbers. I did, uh, you know, if, if we had... Uh, and we don't know how it's going to be configured. You could have a number of gardens inside that block. Okay? You could have some national forests. It's 1,400 miles wide. You could have a number of national forests or heavenly forests, whatever you want to call them, within this block. It's huge. If we were to say, oh, well, it's going to have so many floors and I figured if it 50-foot floors, I think it came out to 26,000 stories. I, I forget now. The, I, I did the math and forgot to write it down. But you know, this, it's a huge area that this new Jerusalem is going to be. And that's, I think it'll look better than that. I'm just guessing, okay? <laughs> but this is, uh, this is the new Jerusalem. And, you know, it talks about, you know, it, um, well, we're going to move on. It says, And I saw no temple in the city, for its temple is the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb. And the city has no need of sun or moon to shine on it, for the glory of God, uh, for the glory of God must be gives it light. And its lamp is the, the Lamb, but nothing unclean will ever enter it, nor anyone who does what is detestable or false, but only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. It's going to be this great place. Now, does he give us a lot of detail? And the answer is no. I, I do this struggle back and forth as I, as I be studying it. I want to make sure we understand that it's going to be a place for humans to live, and it's designed for humans. But at the same point, we give glory to God. Okay? And to me, there's this struggle. I don't know if there is with you, but there's a struggle about understanding, well, is it designed for my enjoyment? <laughs> well, kind of. 
God loves me and he wants me to enjoy it and he's made a place for me and for you to appreciate and to grow. One of the, the terms that came up is that when I was talking about my view of heaven as being, ah, it's fantastic, is I had a very static view of heaven. And what I've learned now, and what we'll get into a little bit more next week, heaven's a very dynamic place. It's a place where we're going to grow and grow and grow. It's a place we're going to learn and learn and learn. It's just going to keep on going. We can't understand doing that for eternity, but that's God's plan for us. So I'm, a part of my goal here is to open your mind. I don't know where you were before. I had to open my own mind to that this place of heaven and the new heaven and the new earth is a very dynamic place to, that's going to involve some change. I don't know what, but it's going to involve some different things. Keep going. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, bright as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and the Lamb through the, and the Lamb. Through the middle of the street of the city, also on either side of the river, the tree of life with its 12 kinds of fruit, yielding each fruit, yielding its fruit each month, the leaves of the tree for the healing of the nations. Now remember that tree of life was in the Garden of Eden. So that, gar- that tree, so let's go back to what happened in the garden. Adam and Eve decided to go ahead and eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, where God said, don't do that. All of a sudden, they're paying a price. So he protects them and limits their access to it. They can no longer attain the tree of life. Pulls them away, takes the, then destroys it, takes it into paradise, keeps it there. Now, when the new heaven and new earth, now that tree of life is being repositioned. And evidently, it's available for us to consume. It's also interesting that this tree in an eternal place has 12 kinds of fruit one for each month there's evidently some kind of time reference there and i was before i'm going why but it's there so there's some type of time reference in heaven and i didn't really catch that till i was studying for here but are we going back to eden and the answer is no and here's one of the interesting differences, and I'm going to use this word in a very broad sense, but God's using technology. Now, don't think of computer technology. That's not where I'm going. Before, they lived in a very agrarian setting. There were only two of them, and they lived in a garden. Now they're in a city. Cities have to be built. Cities have roads. What do all those things require? some form of basic technology. Don't take the word technology and go too far with it. That's not the idea here. But it's more than just a garden. That's where God, what God has planned for us. I'd like to go through just a couple, past, present, and future, what things are like. In the past, sin was unknown. When they were in the, in the past here, is talking about the Garden of Eden present, what's going on now, and the future when we have the new heaven and new earth. So sin was unknown. Now sin rather dominates. 
in the future, sin is going to be removed. We have never experienced a place where there was no sin. We have no concept of really what it's going to be like. It's going to be great. Within that, they had no concept of shame. Now we understand shame oh too well. Later on, no shame again because God is restored. In the beginning, man was given dominion over the earth. Now man's dominion, it's there, but it is twisted. and We have not done it well. And I'm not just talking about the ecology. I'm talking about how we care for each other. It includes ecology, but it's just how we deal with everything. But later on, God is going to restore things, and man's dominion will be fulfilled. This is kind of repeat. We have the original earth, we have a fallen earth, we have a new earth. As I mentioned before, that tree of life was in Eden, now it's in paradise, then it's going to be in the new Jerusalem. In the garden, God came and walked with man. Now, because of the sin that we have going on, we've been separated. There was a, there was a wall put in there. Now, Jesus came because he, he is a restorer. He came down and he made it so that God and man can be reunited, and that's brought to the fullness in the new heaven and new earth. God's glory was evident to everyone in Eden. Now it's kind of obscured. But eventually, God's glory will be evident to everyone again. Uh, you have the beginning of human culture. And I think this is one of the more interesting things, because one of the discussions we're going to have, and there will be some speculation, I want to be open on that, what's culture going to be like in heaven? There will be a culture, okay? It's going to be different. Right now, it's contaminated, but later on, it's going to be purified and expanded. Years ago, had one of those really tough days in life. I remember I was at uh, I was at work working in a store in town, and I get a phone call from a chaplain at the hospital, and he goes, um, "Paul, uh, your brother's requested you to go over and tell your mom that your nephew has been killed in a car accident." That was a tough day. First, I had, to, I had to deal with it myself. I'm going, what? Right here in Red Bluff, my, uh, my nephew was killed in a car accident. He was 14 years old. A lot of pain. I remember going through that. But not near the pain that my brother went through and his wife. Did what we could to support and encourage them. And uh, time went on, and as they tried to come up with a new normal, my brother was trying to anticipate, what's this going to be like? I mean, David was his name. He's now in heaven. Doesn't have a resurrected body yet, but he's in heaven. And he began thinking, what's going to be like that whenever my brother's going, now my brother, brother loves the Lord. What's it going to be like to meet him? And he wrote this. Ten, ten months later, he called it anticipation. And what I want to give you is an understanding is that heaven is made for us, but there's still a focus elsewhere. 
anticipation. The days turn into weeks, turn into months. The year is almost. I miss my son. I miss his excitement, his love for God, his love for doing, his love for life, his shoulders to hug, his voice to hear. I long for the day, the season, when we are reunited, I wait for resurrection, for heaven, for David to see him again. Then he appears, a preview, a jump in time. He stands in brilliant light, but clear. He notices me coming and looks right at me with eyes full of joy, with cheeks full of excitement. He looks at me, but he cannot look long. He turns away, turning back, captured by something, someone else. I react, this long-awaited reunion, spoiled, sidetracked, disappointed. What is he looking at or who? Then I see Jesus, or should I say, I see David seeing Jesus. He is awestruck, speechless, wide-eyed. He knows Dad is here. Delighted I am here and yet occupied with his Savior, intent on his Lord. I draw closer then, awesome, or excuse me, awestruck, speechless, wide-eyed. I know my son is here. I am delighted he is here and yet occupied with my Savior, intent on my Lord. Then I wilt, embarrassed. How could I have been so wrong? Competition for my son's attention, unthinkable. Estrangement, impossible to imagine. Distraction, not for a moment. We are in Christ. We look at Jesus, and I see David in Jesus. David looks at Jesus, and David sees me in Jesus. Disappointment, what is that? Sidetrack, not a trace. Spoiling of reunion, no. This is full embrace. This is love fulfilled. This is overwhelming. This is joy uncontainable. This is reunion beyond belief. It was my brother's uh, reaction and anticipation of when he gets to see David, he's going to see Jesus. And that's what we have to look forward to. It's, it's a whole different realm. It's a whole different world. It's going to be really good. And there's going to be interactions. Now, this kind of makes us, almost leans toward that approach. But still, there's that interaction. There's that connection that we have, and it's going to be a really great time of joy. As we live our lives on earth, let's live it in light of seeing Jesus again. Let's live it in light that that's going to be a place where we have this little sliver of time that we have here. A ways back, I, I gave a message, and I put a cord. We were, oh, I was up there. I put a cord across there, and I said, imagine this cord, and I put a piece of tape on it, and I strung it across, and I said, just, just think it keeps on going. I had to go to Bulgaria because I've been to Bulgaria. From here, take a string and take it from here to Antarctica. All right? That's a long way. It's going that direction. And look at the little piece here and say, this is our time here, and the rest of that's eternity. I know it goes farther, but just work with me, okay? Let's think about our time here has an effect on that. Let's live accordingly, all right? Let's live with that in mind. Let's live with and understand that we're going to be there with Jesus. It's going to be a good thing. 
We're going to talk a little bit more about, like I said, next week, probably some more. Um, like I said, I'll have some uh, ideas that speculation in some, but let's open our mind up to what God made for us is a good thing, and let's anticipate that. Let's pray. Father God, thank you so much for loving us. Thank you for caring about us. Thank you, God, for planning for us. I mean, we, we make plans ahead, but it's nothing compared, Lord, to the plans that you make for us, and it's really, really good. And so we lift this time before you, Open our eyes and open our hearts, God, to what you would have for us. In Jesus' name.